Hey everyone, welcome back to your Weekly Fix podcast with your host, me, Victoria Fix. On your Weekly Fix podcast, we talk all the issues, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But most importantly, we talk about issues that impact you, your family, your friends, and your communities. So you can listen, encourage conversation, and eventually get out there and better advocate for yourselves and each other. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to your Weekly Fix podcast. This is Victoria Fix, your host, as always. And, you know, you know the drill. As always, I'm just so happy to be here recording for you guys. This is the second week of me back recording uh, just me. And I am specifically happy today to be recording because I'm finally doing an episode about criminal justice. For those of you who don't know, criminal justice is something I've always been extraordinarily interested in and passionate about and it's pretty much what I want to pursue um, in my life uh, career-wise. So I can get a little bit more into that briefly before we get started on the episode but what the main part of this uh, episode is going to be or the main you know the meat of it I thought this would be really fun instead of kind of just talking about criminal justice. I mean, there's so many different directions we could go with that. I thought it would be really fun to kind of take you guys step by step on like what I would do if I could change the system and what I see the criminal justice system looking at from my eyes. And of course, this is all my opinion, but it is supported by a lot of facts actual information and a lot of research and um, fortunately a lot of research done by really amazing people who have spent their whole careers looking at how our justice system is unjust and finding ways and solutions to you know make things more just and more fair and more effective so I would like in my lifetime to kind of build upon what the, you know, the pioneers have done before me in trying to reform our justice system specifically related to mass incarceration and um, our education system, which I'll go into that a little bit in one of the steps that I talk about. So if you don't really want to listen to this one, no big deal. I can see why you wouldn't care what kind of justice system I want like who am I but I think criminal justice reform is something that's finally becoming more widely discussed we see a lot of celebrities discussing the issues within the criminal justice system like Kim Kardashian and John Legend and of course and unfortunately more people are starting to jump on the BLM movement and get behind reform efforts because of the unfortunate um events that have taken place around police brutality so I think it's all great that people are starting to finally see that our system is unjust um, but there's so much work to be done and for me I've just always been interested in criminal justice I honestly love crime period but um, even though I have this like weird obsession and interest in crime, the actual events of crime and crime-like behavior. After going to John Jay College um, for my undergrad, it was there that I really started to see that there's so much work to be done with our justice system and um, that reform was necessary and something that I really wanted to be a part of. So 
I'm getting my master's in public policy right now and uh, if everything goes well I would like to somehow work in government and do either research or um, policy analysis and trying to reform some of the policies um, or introduce new policies to make the criminal justice system just better. And to me, it's obvious, but to a lot of the people in this country, it's not obvious. You know, we were kind of taught there are bad guys, there are good guys, cops arrest bad guys, and they go to jail if they're bad, and that if they go to prison or jail or whatever, their sentences, it's appropriate, and it's just, and it fits the crime that was committed. And that's, I think, kind of how we are raised in seeing, you know, crime and criminal justice portrayed on tv and in our classrooms and that's so far from what our system actually looks like and it is quite dangerous and scary to think that um the united states operates on a system that is very reflective of um slavery and we will get into that so with that being said I think I want to go into this direction where I kind of, when I was preparing for this episode, I'm just a little concerned. It might have to be a two-parter, people. I mean, I started writing, I thought there was going to be four topics that I talked about, and my list became 10. And I think that just goes to show that there's so much work to be done with the criminal justice system that, of course, I alone won't be able to do it. You won't be able to do it. We may not be able to see it happen in our generation. There are so many amazing people working on issues related to criminal justice in specific capacities, and just any role that you can play in reforming or improving upon our justice system is a huge role and makes such an impact, but the overarching impact that we're going to need to see, the structural impact we're going to need to see, I think is going to happen within our generation, um, but it might have to be the next. There's just so much work to be done and I might do a two-parter to kind of be make sure that I you know get every piece of it that I want to talk about so without further ado let's get started so I think the first thing I want to talk about it's probably the area that I will work on um when I look at my future, um, if everything works out okay, (laughs) is mass incarceration. So mass incarceration is pretty much our prison population. It's our prison system as we know it. As I described before, you commit a crime and you are sentenced likely to prison. Um, If not, if it's a lower offense, of course, like something like probation, what have you. But what we know as jail or prison is exactly what we consider it it's you know the bars you know people sit you know behind bars and serving time for something that they have done uh, wrong by society's standards just to give you guys a perspective of why it is such a large problem is the statistic is thrown around a lot but I just want to repeat it for anyone who doesn't know The United States is home of only 5% of the world's population. 5%. We don't make up that much. (laughs) It's not like we make up 50% of the world's population, right? We make up 5% of the world's population, but we make up 25% of the world's prisoners or incarcerated population. And let me just say that one more time. We are 5% of the world's population, 
but we're 25% of the world's incarcerated population. That statistic has always stood out to me when I watched 13th, the incredible documentary that I encourage anyone and everyone to watch on Netflix that talks about um, how the 13th Amendment left this, you know, caveat in their writings that allowed modern day slavery to still exist, which is mass incarceration as we know it. Um, I highly suggest you go watch that. It's so well done. It talks a lot about the history of the criminal justice system, how it became to be what it is today, and how um, it's not right. But that, to me, that statistic has always been the driving force and what I really, like, it, it just molded my curiosity. It really springboarded, like, springboarded there's my frick springboard that freaking thing my mom said in our episode <laughs> um anyway catapulted whatever verb you want to use that really is what encouraged me to want to look deeper into the system so a lot of people don't find having a large incarcerated population a problem but it is because there are so many flaws that go into why our popul- our incarcerated population is the way it is. First and foremost, if you can't make bail for some reason, you haven't even yet been tried for a crime, you haven't even been found guilty, you can sit in jail just because you're poor. And that's a problem because we don't even we haven't even let a jury or a judge or lawyers act on your case. And we're just assuming you're guilty and you're poor, so we keep you in jail. Those are like local jails. Then we have a problem with our prison system in many ways. When we talk numbers, um, first of all, many people are incarcerated for crimes they did not commit. There has been so many instances, too many to count, if you're familiar with the Innocence Project, they specifically look at innocent people in prison and try to help uh, appeal their case and get them out of prison there's some amazing and horrible like stories about that that makes my blood boil um so that's a problem that there's people literally incarcerated that may or may not have even committed a crime we're not even 100 percent certain and then there's people incarcerated who committed a crime by our standards that is often nonviolent or low offense, um, drug-related crimes, crimes that basically, for lack of a better word, the punishment doesn't fit or suit the crime. <laughs> I don't even know how, like, the system is so screwed up. I get so passionate about it. I'm trying to stay calm and factual and, like, keep this keep this organized but it's very hard for me because each moving part of the justice system impacts another so I wanted to talk about recidivism later but I'm gonna have to kind of talk about it now so for those of you who don't know what recidivism is it is a measurement that basically says um how likely you are to go back to prison after you've already been incarcerated or how likely you are to be involved in the justice system after you've been in already previously involved and that's something I am extraordinarily interested in because what happens often is that people are incarcerated for a crime and they've been taken out of society for such a long time and haven't been able to um, 
either gain skills, um, work, take care of their families, whatever the case may be, they've been taken out of society, put into a pretty stressful and inhumane environment, which we will talk about the um, standards of living in prisons and how detrimental that is to someone's mental health and inhumane it is and period so we send these people back out into the world and they literally have no skills or um they may not even understand society as it is or what it was before they they were incarcerated and then they don't have the necessary like skills and means to be able to perform in the workforce or get a degree or gain a skill or a trade and then they need money so they may commit crimes to make money or to do whatever and then they are put back into the prison system because they could not successfully survive after incarceration post-release in the real world because they've been out of it for so long and then was they were very unproductive during their time in spent in prison and get sent back out with no services or resources and can't function so they get put back into society it put back into the prison system so that greatly impacts um, and contributes to our incarcerated population in the United States so we're just incarcerating so many people. That's why they call it mass incarceration. It is such a problem. The other problem having to do with why we incarcerate people is there's a for-profit prison system in the United States where literally people are profiting off of people who may or may not have committed crimes. So they gain money. They gain revenue at the expense of someone's livelihood. Okay. I mean, that's horrifying <laughs> that I don't care what crime someone commits. If people are going to then profit off of that, that's a problem. So there's an incentive to incarcerate people in the United States now. There's an incentive to see people go behind bars because they can profit off of it. They can use prison labor, which is, quote, modern day slavery, where we're not paying people who are behind bars to work to benefit corporate America. They're either paid a few cents to the dollar, they are either not paid at all, and that's an incentive for people in America to keep people behind bars so they can continue to work and people can get ahead by paying low wages and making an extraordinarily huge profit margin off of their work that sounds a lot like how our country was founded on slavery we got ahead in the united states because we were built off the backs of black slaves who were able to perform labor that white folks didn't want to and they didn't pay them adequately in doing so so we were able to get ahead because we weren't doing it correctly we were exploiting people and doing that so that's the connection between mass incarceration and slavery so it's scary to think that our prison system has grown so much over the past um i'd say 50 years um a lot of people 
talk about the history of why our prison cyst our incarcerated population has increased so much um a huge aspect of that i won't go into every historical event the 13th the documentary really does a good job at that i just think for the sake of time i'm not going to take you down a history um lesson and i don't want to get any facts wrong in doing that but some of the events that took place that really did impact why our numbers are so high is the war on drugs and the crime act of 1994 and the private prison industry there's a lot of things but i think that those two things specifically the war on drugs and um the crime act were huge um in contributing to that number so we also just to put this into perspective the united states currently incarcerated it's like i think it's 698 per 100,000 people that's a lot of people about 0.7% of the United States is currently in federal or state prison or a local jail. So that's just shy of 1%, one out of 100 people. That's a really high fraction of people who are in jail. And not to mention, this is the United States. Like, we're supposed to be the most progressive Western free democracy. And we are incarcerating more people in our, we are the highest our country incarcerates the most amount of people with El Salvador being close second and Rwanda and Russia and then Brazil. Like we should not top that list, right? We need to be promoting productive people in society. There's been a 500% increase over the past 40 years. And I think right now there's like a total of 2 million people in the nation's prison and jails currently so the numbers don't lie it's an extreme amount of of people behind bars that we're removing from society and they're not participating as active citizens they're voiceless they're silent they're invisible to our to our country and that should matter it doesn't matter to a lot of people because like i've said the way we were raised is like to just think that bad people go to jail and it's not how it should be when we have so many flaws in even determining if someone is guilty or committed a crime or not, which I guess maybe I'll cover today why people commit crimes. That might be next week's episode because that's a whole nother discussion and what the United States does to people that might set them up to be incarcerated or impacted by the criminal justice system in one way or the other. So so many people are incarcerated we have this huge problem and the numbers do not lie there's obviously something wrong with the way we are impact the way we are handling crime in the united states also you cannot look at mass incarceration in our criminal justice system without looking at the racial disparities so if breaking it down by gender there's one in nine men are like are have a likelihood of spending a lifetime of imprisonment one in 56 women one in 17 white men and one in three black men let me say that again one in 17 white men one in three black men and then one in six latino men for women it's one in 111 white women will spend time in jail or prison 
one in 18 black women and one in 45 latina women one in 101 women white women have a lifetime likelihood of imprisonment one in 18 black women have a lifetime likelihood and then one in 45 latina women that is insane and you cannot argue that these facts are untrue and in and scary to think that we are purpose i mean people probably have difference of an opinion on me of whether it's purposeful or not but we're allowing this racial disparity to continue there's something wrong here just think about common sense think about like people that you know that have done bad things like especially if you're a white person like me i've challenged myself to think about that and say like okay the people i know who have done horrible things are not brown and black folks there are white people that get away with it and that's my argument you know white men that have done horrible crimes such as you know think of sexual assault you can think of assault in general where they're giving given a pat on the back or told boys will be boys kind of thing you can also think of drugs so many white people use drugs or abuse drugs i always like to think of this too as when black people and latino people were using crack cocaine it was a war on drugs and it was considered a horrible thing happening in inner cities when white people started to abuse opioids it became a public health crisis so we're admitting that we have a double standard of when it comes to crime based on race so mass incarceration is a huge problem numbers wise and then the demographics of the people who make up the prison system and you should care because like i said a lot of these people should not be in prison we're learning that incarcerating people doesn't work it only perpetuates more crime it doesn't perpetuate safety and then we're also finding that we can't have a just justice system when we're taking liberty and freedom away from people for no good reason we don't even know if they've actually committed a crime or they are found guilty without not enough evidence to support it and then you put them behind bars with no skills or services to help them let's say they do commit the crime they're then put into prison or jail to then just spend time working for corporate america maybe and then what and that's where recidivism comes into play so with that background the way i would like to see part of our justice system change and i think this can be done so easily to reduce the numbers of people in prison the first thing is to decriminalize nonviolent crimes because what we have found is that nonviolent crimes such as possession of marijuana or drugs or prostitution for instance were arresting people of color for committing these crimes but not white people and white people get away with it and it's considered society's norm for white people to get away with crimes such as you know marijuana usage or whatever and of course this can depend on the state you live in i should mention and then we're criminalizing it 
for people in brown and black neighborhoods. That would reduce our, our, and we all know that people should not go to jail or prison for drugs. There's also crimes that people can be arrested for that white people are not arrested for. And then if there's over-policing in a certain brown and black neighborhood, then these people are being like arrested for these crimes that white people or rich or affluent people don't go to jail for because there's not a police presence in those neighborhoods. So that would cut the incarcerated population down a lot. (laughs) And then we would actually be able to see what kind of crime-like behavior like what these people are in for like let's say it is rape or assault or maybe it's something I like to call them economic or crimes of survival um like selling drugs or stealing or um trying to think uh yeah I guess we'll just go with that selling drugs or stealing like for economic gain or something we can then identify those types of crimes and what those people need for rehabilitation or for a better quality of life or whatever the case may be instead of punishing them rehabilitate them help them get the services they need so then when they do serve their sentence they will then become productive members of society Because there's no sense in allowing someone to serve their time to learn that the crime they did was bad to then not set them up for anything other than to potentially commit that crime again. That's silly, and it's a waste of taxpayers' money. I mean, we could get into the finances of it, but we spend an obscene amount of money for people to sit in prison as taxpayers and your money's not going to anything positive. Your money's just being recycled. So you should also care because of that because you don't even know where your money is going to help these people so they can go out and stimulate the economy after they get out and get jobs. But whatever, that's America. And I know people are probably going to say, well, what about people who murder families and do horrible violent crimes well those aren't the people i'm talking about and if our criminal justice system worked effectively that wouldn't even be part of the question those people that's what the prison system is designed for it should be for if you want it to be public safety then yes those people need psychological help and they can get that in prison and probably will never see the light of day because our criminal justice system works to incarcerate people like that I guess effectively I'm talking about the people that it disproportionately marginalizes and shouldn't on a purposeful level like to make profit in America off the backs of brown and black folks like we did from its inception so there shouldn't ever be a case where someone is saying well what about the people who commit the worst crimes of all that's not what I'm talking about our criminal justice system needs major improvement before we even can look at people who actually commit violent, heinous crimes. But still then, 
those people who are behind bars for those kind of crimes should receive the rehabilitation, even if they don't, you know, if they're serving a life sentence or a 30-year sentence, they still should become active and productive members in society, um, or not society, but, you know, in, in, in when they're incarcerated by getting help, rehabilitation, working um, for a adequate living wage, or receiving an education if they want, if they want to learn. Like, just because these people are sitting in prison doesn't mean that they can't have some sort of freedoms, I guess, when they're there. I know that's probably controversial, but that's what I believe. And like I said, taxpayer money, don't you want your money to go towards something that is actually going to make a difference in someone's life and make a difference in our society rather than having the same old crimes be committed over and over again and making your quote neighborhood unsafe because, you know, that's what the news tells you or whatever. So those are my thoughts on that. I think if you decriminalize nonviolent crimes that are committed so frequently by people who are in affluent neighborhoods or suburbs or in white neighborhoods, if we decriminalize um, these events that are happening so frivolously in other areas, then we can reduce the incarcerated population and in transitioning into another conversation about the criminal justice system there i just want to make note there are other ways to reduce the incarcerated population period um other than the to the way of decriminalizing nonviolent crimes so you know there's a lot of reform that could be done in the courtroom um and the way our courts proceed and how people prosecute and how we spend a lot of taxpayer money prosecuting nonviolent crimes. So there's a lot of work to be done. Um, I'm though that's just like my initial suggestion is to decriminalize nonviolent nonviolent crimes. Um, but of course, like if this was a whole criminal justice podcast, I'd go into other ways in which we can do that. But Um, In my opinion, I think there should be somewhat of an incarcerated population in the world for the sense of public safety. There are just naturally in society like bad people, unfortunately, that I hate that um, there are people like that. And there's a lot of things that can be done to prevent those people from committing crimes that they commit that um, I'd love to chat about if we have time in this episode. There's so much prevention that we can do as a society to stop all crime really I think um but let's say we deal with the dealt we're we're dealing with the cards we've been dealt and let's say there are really bad people in society that should be incarcerated you know some people say end jails altogether you know I'm very progressive but I I don't believe that um what I do believe is that when you incarcerate these pop this population of people that they're still humans and they should be provided with services to make their life as better as they can or more as peaceful as they can um and more as productive as they can and like I said we can talk about that just as a standpoint of taxpayer dollars um there's no sense in paying 
for someone to sit in prison to do nothing and to not become better and they can be that can be done through mental health services or 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 what have you also if we are going to have an existing incarcerated population i would say that our prison systems are just inhumane in the way they treat people from the way the walls look to the way COs treat these folks or the way COs treat each other or the way the um, people incarcerated treat each other. So I think that my idea of what a prison system would look like would just, I mean, we could probably close half of them and just not have them. And then to recreate what the existing incarcerated population or incarcerated system looks like by literally giving it a facelift, like making it more humane, not making people wear jumpsuits and shackles and um, have, you know, only a few hours of the day to go outside and breathe fresh air like another non-productive and inhumane practice that happens um and oh my gosh i'm just gonna say this now we don't even need to spend any time on this abolishing solitary confinement once and for all you can take the time to research that yourself and how inhumane and disgraceful that is But solitary confinement is the worst thing that can come from our prison system, and it's something that has been, I think, abolished in certain states, but not enough, and it should be federal legislation. It's disgraceful, and it's horrifying. I highly suggest you watch the Khalif Browder docuseries on Netflix. It is the most powerful docuseries I've ever watched. I watched it within one night, or one day, and it will explain to you horrifying things that happen in the criminal justice system period but specifically the negative and horrifying impact solitary confinement has on an individual um psychologically specifically but yeah i just think that for everyone's mental health our incarcerated system should not look the way it looks physically um and to allow more humane practices so when i say that i believe there should be an incarcerated population still that doesn't mean incarcerated as what we know it as now. It should be a different system that helps rehabilitate or provide services to people who deserve those services through social workers, psychological help, educators, mentors, and, and, and the like. Um, I think they should be able to wear what they want to wear clothing-wise. They should be able to work um when they are incarcerated and receive a livable wage so they can um have a savings um and money for their for themselves and more access to their family and access to their attorneys because attorneys aren't able to access their clients as they should and as easily and as frequently as they should and family members aren't either um you know obviously I'm from New York I have a background specifically working in New York City corrections and and the justice system as my role right now uh with the public defender's office in New York I my main role is assisting in scheduling video conferences between incarcerated folks and their attorneys um, 
at our office. And what I have learned from doing that is how difficult it is to have any communication with the outside world. Um, And that's just stupid. That's silly and unproductive. And when you're going through the worst moment of your life, you should be able to still have communication with your a lawyer that's just constitutional but with your family and your loved ones we forget these people are humans and fathers and mothers and sisters and have families that they need to still take care of and support so yes when i say that there may be an incarcerated population it's not going to be the way it looks today it's going to be a more humane and um effective system and then additionally when it comes to if people are incarcerated for the crimes that they commit to provide services that reduce recidivism i keep saying this over and over again but let's make the system effective and productive so when someone does leave prison they have the skills and services and they're not tainted by their incarcerated status And they can go out into the world and have a job and support their family or go back to school or pick up a trade or whatever their dreams may be that they can successfully fulfill them after they're released. Once you serve your time, you should be able to then re-enter society in an effective and productive way and learn from whatever mistake you may have made and then have the necessary skills in your arsenal to be able to reinvent yourself. It's the American dream, baby. I mean, we can't keep suppressing certain people by keeping them in marginalized institutions like our United States prison system. So in one way of doing that, There's already programs like this. There's an amazing program through John Jay, actually, where students are able to go with a professor and teach college-level courses to incarcerated folks. So I think that this could be implemented easily, easily um, in all prisons in the United States where the people incarcerated are able to take classes, whether that's for to earn their high school diploma, their GED, uh, associate's degree, a bachelor's degree, whatever, they're able to be taking courses so they can work towards earning their education. Easy, simple, can be done. I interned one summer for the Prisoner Reentry Institute at John Jay, and they ran two really great initiatives, the Prison to College Pipeline and College Initiative, it's called, and there are two similar initiatives that allow people who are incarcerated to earn their degree, whether that's starting from post-release or whether they're able to take courses when they're incarcerated. And I watched kid people graduate with their PhDs post-release or their law degree. These people are capable and deserving. And if they're able to earn a 
high school degree, a law degree, a bachelor's degree, whatever degree that they desire, they should be able to do that. And that's an easy, easy pathway to a better future. And that goes the same for trading for trades. If they want to, you know, gain the skills to be a welder or a plumber, should be able to do that as well. And then there's a huge mental health aspect to the criminal justice system. And when we say things like defund the police and, you know, things of the sort, that means to reinvest money that is in the traditional police system as we know it and provide funding for mental health counselors for psychologists and psychiatrists and mentors and coaches that can really identify the mental health trauma that a lot of these people have gone through before they were incarcerated or while they were incarcerated and that will help people have a better you know grasp on their lives And so, as again, we promote a safer and more effective country because that's what our justice system is supposed to be, a way to make things safer. And to address mental health is the first step in promoting safety. And another service, of course, would be like drug rehabilitation or addiction or substance abuse uh, rehabilitation of any sort because a lot of these folks have had dependencies on drugs um, for a very long time and if you're white and affluent and rich you can go to a state-of-the-art rehabilitation center and it'd be called like I said get well soon public health emergency a lot of these people can't afford that and shouldn't need to afford that to gain the services that they they need if they have a substance abuse um, issue. So those are kind of the services that if we were able to weed out and stop prosecuting and arresting nonviolent people and then have the incarcerated population cut by whatever margin and then identify the issues that these people might have and to then create a more well-productive society as they are then released from prison or jail with the services that I mentioned. I think those are the first two steps in a better criminal justice system that are simple um, and easy to identify that those problems can be easily addressed. Overall, the traditional incarcerated system that we have in the United States as we know it is not working effectively researchers have also found that although crime has declined substantially since around like the 90s that incarcerated or incarceration is not contributing to that um to that decline and they say that the magnitude of the crime reduction remains uncertain that evidence suggests it's unlikely to have been large because of the incarcerated population because a incarceration is ineffective at reducing the rates of crimes that I spoke of such as like drug crimes youth crimes which we haven't really talked about youth and the youth population in prison gang related crimes like crimes that are uh, committed in in groups these aren't reducing these are only Incarceration, as we know it, is only perpetuating these crimes, which then doesn't reduce or protect against public safety. 
And then secondly, people tend to, quote, age out of crime. So research does show that crime starts to peak at the mid to late teenage years and then begins to decline when individuals are in their mid-20s to early 30s. And then after that, crime drops significantly even more once someone hits, like, mid-30s to early 40s. So we are incarcerating younger people and then perpetuating the crime because they then as i've said it before commit these crimes again often and then not giving the people the chance to redeem themselves because they're spending so much time um incarcerated without services necessary to do so so i think that's enough on incarceration for right now i'd like to talk more about this i think that There's so much to unpack around incarceration and I only touched on it to give you guys like a general idea of like where I see our incarcerated population going um, and why incarceration and mass incarceration in the United States is so uh, damaging to everyone, not just people who are incarcerated. You should care because it impacts your community. It impacts society and common good and what people all want which is public safety like people want to live in this world safely and our criminal justice system to you might think it's actively doing that but it's actively not it's doing the opposite it's perpetuating crime even more so i kind of want to transition now and talk about how i see what a police force would look like um in a better more effective criminal justice system in the United States especially I think this is important to talk about because of the unfortunate acts that we have been seeing these aren't new acts um I think there is a huge huge uh component of the fact that acts against police brutality acts of police brutality excuse me especially on brown and black folks is being recorded i i do think that technology does play an aspect because violence against brown and black folks has never been um something that has been like a non-occurrence like it has always happened and i think our generation is starting to really document it because we've always thought or as I thought like growing up in a white neighborhood in a white school district the way we were taught about history was that slavery was something of the past that civil rights issues were something of the past and we're finding that that is so far from the truth and being able to have information and evidence at our fingertips with cell phones Um, You know, for me as a white person, I may never see violence against a black or brown person, especially at a young age, because I lived in a white neighborhood my whole life. It wasn't until I moved to New York City where, and even then, I was living in very privileged means and neighborhoods where I may not see the police brutality. I may not see um, brown and black folks treated... um, violently or unjustly by police because I've always lived in white areas and affluent areas where there's a low police presence with now with cell phones and technology people like me who have grown up in white middle-class suburbs 
are now able to see what so many brown and black kids see. And it's unfortunate, but it's also a really powerful tool because it makes us more aware of the problem than maybe our parents would have um, by keeping their blinders on and not being able to, or not choosing, or if not just subconsciously not seeing the racial um, acts of injustice in our criminal justice system. I hope that makes sense. So basically what I'm just saying in summary is that technology has helped um, in us seeing the unfortunate and deadly acts of police brutality. There's also a horrible, you know, there's so much trauma that goes behind posting someone's death or violence on the internet. And that's, you know, horrible and really wrong. And white people shouldn't need to have a video posted for us to understand. I'm not saying that, you know, these families have to then experience the death of their child or their family member and then see it on the internet everywhere for white people's sakes. No, that's, you know, that's horrifying. But I'm just saying that there is, it's real and it's something that happens so frequently and it doesn't matter what your zip code is, you should know what is happening. So, that's kind of all I'm saying. But, you know, when we say defund the police, when there's um, conversation around the way police interact with people of color, indigenous folks, is obviously a problem. And whatever I say past this point, my main belief, and I think this should be the belief of everyone, not just because it's me, but because it's genuinely what I think our country should stand for and what it, it's supposed to stand for, is we believe in due process. We believe in our justice system working justly and fairly. I don't care <laughs> what crime someone commits. A police, officer, a police officer should not take someone's life into their own hands and make a decision whether or not that person should die or not, no matter what. So when Breonna Taylor was murdered, when George Floyd was murdered, when all of these people, black or people of color, often innocent folks are murdered, people love to say, you know he had a drug record, he had this, you know, he wasn't even a model citizen, this and that, bullshit. I don't care what people do. How is that an excuse to just have a police officer kill them because they've done drugs or something? You've probably done drugs too. Does that mean I can just pull my gun out and kill you? No. It's not the police officer's job to decide the fate of someone, whether they've committed a crime or not. And especially when it's disproportionately done to people of color. I know a lot of white folks that have raped women or done drugs or sold drugs or made their community less safe and you don't see cops pulling into those communities and killing them. That's the discrepancy. That's what's wrong. And we lose sight of human life. We lose, you know, we lose sight of human dignity. Our justice system isn't punitive in the sense that we kill people because they've done something wrong like yeah I mean part two will be capital punishment and the death penalty but it shouldn't be a decision that a police officer makes to kill someone that someone's life 
Like, that's literally someone's life. Whether they're guilty, innocent, freaking walking down the street, or beating up someone, they shouldn't be killed. Or hurt. Or attacked. Or whatnot. And if I had it my way, that would be obvious um, in policing. There's also over-police the over-policing in brown and black neighborhoods, which the presence of police often does not make people feel safer. There are studies that show it doesn't make the community safer. It leads to more arrests for crimes, like I've mentioned before, that are not prosecuted or taken seriously in other neighborhoods. So when we say there's a high crime rate for black and brown people, that's just because there's a high presence of cops in those neighborhoods, which is why stop and frisk was a problem and unjust um, and unconstitutional and why we have distorted statistic, crime statistics because we are over-policing in certain neighborhoods which then also creates racial disparities. So the way our police force should work, you know, I don't believe in the abolishment of police at all. I do believe in respecting police and dignity. And I think if I needed help, who would I call? I'd call 911, of course. And I've always respected police and I do, I probably will get hate for this, but there is an element to understanding that police do risk their lives. They do. But there's also a problem when we're seeing it go the opposite way and we're seeing police not risk their lives, but black and brown folks are risking their life because they are in the presence of a police officer. And that is horrifying. That because the color of your skin might lead to a your death because a police officer says so is wrong and it's something everyone should care more about but I've talked about racism on this podcast and I think our country is so deep-rooted with white supremacy and racism that a lot of people don't care that brown and black people are being killed by police because they will do absolutely anything to defend it and that's really scary so the point of this episode is to talk about how i what i would see in the police how i would want to see the criminal justice system change so i'm gonna stay on track and talk about that but i think plain and simply defunding the police the messaging may be wrong in some people's eyes but it's something worth doing because traditional violent police tactics don't work and they're wrong and inhumane so to take money out of the way we see police work today and invest it in mental health counselors and in certain programs and community policing that will produce better results and a better return on your investment as a taxpayer then f yeah like yes because we're trying to make communities safer we're trying to reduce crime that is the mission and arming police officers with huge rifles to go out into brown and black neighborhoods and 
could potentially kill a brown and black person just because they're sleeping or something like what happened with Breonna Taylor and then not be held accountable there's a corrupted system happening so if we can defund whether that's monetary or just with time and energy the police system as we know it and make it better there should be no complaints of that by any American citizen if the goal is to keep people safe and the goal is to keep people protected then taking a second glance at the way we use taxpayer money in a in a police department is to not take the salaries away from police officers or to abolish the police it's to take a second look and see how we can make the system work better and if that means hiring more social workers or mental health counselors or if that means investing in better programs that help reduce crime then that's what should happen. There should be better implicit bias trainings. There should be better trainings, period, on policing and violent tactics, especially with a racial component. These are just things to make our society better. So in my ideal criminal justice system, no, I wouldn't see an abolishment of police anytime soon. Absolutely not. Um... But what I would like to see is brown and black folks stop being killed by police officers who get trigger happy and then aren't held accountable for it. And if that means looking, taking a second look at the budget and the way our systems work, then that's what should happen. And use facts-based, research-based evidence to make claims that we are... To, to make your claim that we already know that the way things are work the way things are done now aren't working we've got research that supports that so use those facts and use that evidence to make a better criminal justice system starting with the police force and make life easier for the police officers right like make their job better and they'll that will happen by looking at how we can reallocate funds so they don't have to be put in a situation like that. If you support the police, you should want to support their, the impact of their work. And what a lot of police go to be a police officer for is to help protect people, right? Sorry, I mean, I get heated about this just because to me it seems so obvious and I know it doesn't to so many people, but I'm so passionate about it and I'm so invested in it and I don't have radical ideas. I'm not an extremist leftist like who believes that, you know, whatever they say the left believes. This is common sense and if you care about people, if you're pro-life or whatever, if you're a Christian, if you believe in um the meaning of life like and preserving people and keeping people safe and happy in a good life then you should want to think differently about the way our criminal justice system treats people and on a monetary level if you are a taxpayer you should want your tax paying dollars to go to better services for people so then you can get that return on your investment and have a well-functioning and stimulating economy and society. 
So we talked today about mass incarceration, recidivism. We talked about services um, in the incarcerated system, prison system. We talked about um, decriminalizing low-level and nonviolent offenses to reduce the incarcerated system. Um, And then we talked a little bit about policing and reducing police presence in brown and black neighborhoods, better training, defunding the police in the sense that we reallocate those funds to better serve the people and to better serve the police department. We talked about what services people need who have committed certain crimes, um, what they're missing in society, what they're missing in their life to make them better in society, and to make... All of this is to make communities safer and to make systems and and society better. I think if I were to do a part two on this, I would definitely want to go into the death penalty. I would definitely want to talk deeper in the intricate issues surrounding the way people are prosecuted or arrested, period. And at the end of the day... It's not a right or left issue to me. It's not a Democrat-Republican issue. This impacts everyone. Even if you'll never find someone in your family or your circle who has to um, spend some time in jail or prison or incarcerated, this is our, like, these are people in your community. These are people in our society. And this is your money being spent. It should not be a right or left issue this should just be an issue that everyone takes a second look at and it would save our country a lot of money and it would save our country a lot of human life that's lost because of the systems that are put into place overall i think we need to look at racial bias and the racial um disparities in the criminal justice system first because the people who are settling for the system that we have obviously have a distorted view on the way we treat people of color in society and that is going to be needed to take first spot first priority in dealing with the criminal justice system I hope I can make change someday. I probably obviously won't make the change that I desired to see and laid out for you in this episode, but I hope that with research and with um, pressure that we can make our leaders take a second look and really prioritize criminal justice because it's an obvious sector in our society that needs so much work and hurts so many people. Um, I'm not sure if I'll do the part two. It's up to you guys. So I'll do a poll on your weekly fix Instagram. You can follow us at your weekly fix podcast. I'll do a poll. If you guys liked this episode, I'll do a part two and we will go into deeper topics around where I'd like to see our criminal justice system go forward in the next 20, 50 years. Let's say tomorrow would be nice. Um, this one was a little bit deeper. I will also provide sources from some of the statistics that I got. I got them from the Sentencing Project. Just quickly, I'll say the Sentencing Project, the Innocence Project, um, the Prison Policy Initiative, the Prisoner Reentry Institute, and I think that's it. 
And then I referenced those documentaries, 13th and the Khalif Browder story on Netflix. I highly suggest you take a watch. And also my two favorite books are The New Jim Crow, which I have mentioned on the podcast before. And um, I also really liked this book called Locked Up. And it talks a lot about why our um, incarcerated system is as... um, populated as it is both of those books do so I highly suggest you take some time to study a little bit more about our criminal justice system and you can do that by reaching out to me and I can direct you in in another way if you'd like or we could just talk about it if you're interested in criminal justice like me I would love to talk about it there's so much more to cover I only brushed the surface so I hope we can do a part two if you guys want it maybe even a part three and that would be really great. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, especially if you've made it this far. It means so much to me that you care this much about the criminal justice system. You care about your Weekly Fix podcast, and um, you care about making the world a better place because that's really what I want, and I care so deeply about it. So to share that passion with you guys is truly an honor, and I thank you so much for listening. Uh, Stay tuned for an episode next week, and I hope you guys all have a great week. You guys are amazing people, and I hope this inspired you to get out there and try to find your fire and fuel your fire and really make the change you want to make with whatever that is. So bye, guys. Have a great week.